Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the book of Genesis. And we're going to be looking in chapter, Genesis chapter 4. You know, I really believe God wants to speak to us today about this subject. I was, I really felt the Lord reveal this to me, um, I think it was last Sunday, and uh, I was going to share something in a, in a sense of a prophetic word, and I really felt, for the first time I've ever felt like this, that the Lord stopped me and said, don't say anything, I want you to preach it. And so I didn't. And then in the week, I want to just commend, I'm going to name his name, but I'm going to commend Lewis. This week we were chatting, and he encouraged me in some scripture, uh, Lewis Cameron, and he encouraged me, and as he said it, he, he started to share the word that God had given me, and uh, really encouraged me that God had put something on his heart, and so he shared it with me, and I just want to be, you to be encouraged this morning, because I really believe God wants to speak into our lives in this area. First of all, let's just read from verse uh, 1 of Genesis chapter 4, we're going to go th- right through to verse 16, it says this, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. That's grace for you. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Today I want to talk about giving. And it's not always a subject that everyone wants to listen to, but I really feel that the Lord wants to speak into the life of the church and to us as as believers, because let me tell you, giving is a very, very important part of our faith. 
If you know me, I very rarely speak on uh, giving and things like this, but actually it's essential to do that because it's something that Jesus taught us to do and it's something that's part of our faith. It's part of what we do. So I think it's important that we should look at this. But the first thing we see in this scripture that we just read is this relationship between family. Now you've got to imagine Cain and Abel, the two first uh, children on the earth. You've got Adam and Eve and then these two children come along and now you've got a picture that they're now living in this fallen world. So Adam and Eve have already made the mistake, they've eaten the fruit and if you read in the previous chapter, before that you'll see that the end of that chapter, it closes off the Garden of Eden and, and, and there's this uh, huge uh, cherubim and, and uh, this massive flaming sword it describes that protects this garden because of them eating from the tree of knowledge and life. And so now these children are beginning... They've grown up and they've, they're now growing up in a fallen world just like we are because of sin that's come into the world. So it describes this relationship between mum and dad. They're seeing that dad, you have to work the soil, that there's a demand upon the, to work the soil to earn your money. You'll see that in, in the previous chapters, Adam, one of the curses that comes upon him from taking the fruit is that for the rest of his life he will have to work and sweat and labor. For he, the, 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 the soil will cry out to him. He will have to work that soil. There will be a demand upon his life to earn, his, earn what he has. So the children see this relationship. They see that you have to work hard. They see that they receive things. And they, they, he says that one of them was a shepherd and one was a farmer. So one of them is creating this growth in the crops. One of them has got these animals. But one of the things that they realize outside of their natural relationship is that they also have a relationship to God. And that in that, that they are required, because we don't see it in Genesis here, if you read later on in the laws and the Levitical laws, you'll see that there's a demand to, to give, and there was certain demands that they have. But we don't see the scripture here, but we see that somewhere along the line, there was a little chat between God and them that, that described that, you know, you need to give to me. This is the way the system works. I am the one who's given everything to you. I'm the one who's given you life. Do you realize you, there's only four of you on the planet? You realize that I'm the one who breathes life into you. Therefore, you need to give back to me. So there's this relationship we see that they, they have their own things, but they somewhere along the line, God has demanded that they need to give something back to him. That doesn't change for us today, by the way. It's still the same. We should recognize, we sung it earlier on, that he's worthy of it all. From him are all things. That's everything in your lives. Everything comes from him, and we should remember that. You see, sometimes we forget that. We forget what comes from God. And we think that we achieve it all by ourselves. Or sometimes we've got a shaded view on what is coming from God. Let me tell you, I believe that everything we have comes from him. You might think that your boss is great and he gives you a promotion. Let me tell you, I believe God is behind. If we serve him, he will promote us in his due time. And I want to encourage you today. I, I'm always, I always find it interesting when, if anyone watches, I like the programs like X Factor and things like this. You probably think they're really cheesy. I like watching things like that because I like singing. I like to just listen to people sing. But I always find it very interesting at the end of these X Factor contests when the people get knocked out of the rounds in the very last rounds. And you'll see that they're, they're stood there and there's crowds of people. They're so sorry and sad to, to see themselves leave this competition. 
And the groups are there. The whole nation's watching on TV. And many times the people will say this. They'll say to the judges, they'll say, I thank you to Simon Cowell for this opportunity. They believe that he is the one who's given them the opportunity to be in this competition. When they forget that half the people behind the scenes are the one who's been doing the makeup, they've been doing all the sound checks, and they never seem to get the recognition. But just this one person seems to get the recognition. Let me tell you, in our lives, sometimes we can forget who is giving us the things that we've got in our lives. We miss that view on God. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says this, Remember the Lord your God, for it is He... Who gives you the ability to produce wealth. In other words, don't forget God is the one who given you, who's given you the abilities and skills to produce wealth. Some of us think we're so good at our jobs. You know, we've got skills. You can go to university. You can learn things. But God is the one who put the brain inside your body. He's the one who enables you to learn. You might have the best PhD. I've only got a BA. But you might have the best master's. You might have whatever you've got, but listen to me, whatever you have comes from him. And we should never forget it. The enemy wants us to think that we puff ourselves up so much that everything comes from us. We don't need God. In fact, we'll give God to God when we're ready. But God has given us the ability to produce wealth. And Cain and Abel, what they see is that God, they, do, they recognize that God is the one who's breathed life into them. Remember, they're not looking, some of us today, we're looking back saying, I want, I, I'm going to believe in Jesus when I track back the, uh, the ancestry line. I'm going to look at this tree and really see, did Jesus exist? They only had to go back a few steps and see. There wasn't many, many more people around. And they knew they were walking with God. So they knew this relationship with God. They knew this demand that everything comes from Him. Life comes from Him. So now we want to give back to you. But some of us today, 2,000 years on from from the the cross, today in our churches, we, we forget. We get so wrapped up in our abilities that we forget that God is the one who gives life into our circumstances, our jobs, our success, everything. I want to tell you today, you might think you're doing well in your successes. You need to give everything to Him. Because he's the one who will promote you. I've always trusted God in my promotions. I've never pushed them when I used to be in my old uh, job working away. I never pushed them because I just thought, well, I'm going to serve and God will lift me at his due time. And he does. I want to encourage you to do the same. Romans 11 verse 36 actually is from that song that we sung earlier. From him and through him are all things. In other words, they come from him. Jesus calls us to give. So some of us think, well, they did it in the Old Testament. They, they, they did it then. They gave their what's called tithes and offerings. If you don't know what tithes and offerings mean, we use this terminology sometimes in church. And some people come in, they've got no idea what tithes and offerings are. They think, well, I'm going to give, I'm going to give something, but I don't understand what a tithe and offering is. The tithes are that we should bring into the storehouse what we, what we earn. There should be, there's a requirement of 10%, the Bible says. I know some people who give way beyond 10% to God. You probably said 10%. I can't give 10%. But that's between you and God. But then giving is above and beyond the tithes. It's giving our offerings to God. To show that we serve him. We love him. Our hearts are with him. Jesus 
calls us to give. Matthew 6, 2, he said this, when you give, not if you fancy giving. He said, when you give. We said this many times about fasting. He says, when you fast as well. In the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking and he says, when you fast as well. When you give. In other words, it's part of our relationship. Giving should be an attribute of our faith. Amen. It's an act of worship to God, recognizing that he, God, is our sustainer. He's the one who sustains our lives. He's the one who helps us to produce the wealth. But sometimes the giving that we do in church can become very religious, can't it? We can come, it becomes a very religious system. That's one thing we have to be very careful with, that it doesn't become a religious system. So what principles can we learn from giving from Cain and Abel, some of the first people who gave to God on the planet Earth? In Genesis 4, verse 4 that we read earlier, it says this, The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Not Cain, it says on Abel he looked in favor. Now, I want to just show you something, and I want you to turn with me to Hebrews 11, Verse 1. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now we're going to jump right to the New Testament. As the writer of Hebrews begins, Hebrews 11 verse 1 with what is called to many people. If you ask someone, some people mention these scriptures as the, uh, the hall of fame for faith. In other words, it lists a whole stack of names, you can go home and read this for yourself, of people throughout all of the Bible that were commended for their faith. So you've got lots of people in there, you've got Moses, you've got all these people who've done these amazing things, and it says, it's almost like we're going to name the names here of these amazing men of God, and these people, these women, these people who love God, and here is the list. But I want to show you something, because... We'll read verse 1 first. It says, now faith, it starts off to tell us what faith is before it tells us about these people, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what, it, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Then, verse 4, the first person to get mentioned in the hall of fame is Abel. By faith it says, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. I want to show something to you because at the beginning of these chapters, I find it amazing that they, they, it lists these people who've done these amazing things. But right at the beginning, the first person that is mentioned is the one at beginning of time who gave an offering to God. I believe that it's a requirement for us to give. But it says this, by faith, Abel gave. Now, we see that in Genesis 4... We see that God didn't like Cain's offering. We don't understand fully why. If you read the text, you'll never fully discover why he doesn't like it. But we know why he likes Abel's. So what we learn from this is that faith is a key element in giving. 
There is an act of faith that comes upon us when we give to God. The first thing I want to say today in the title of the message, it's there, a life worth giving for. Your life that you have, you may say it's not worth living, it's worth giving everything back to God for. Everything you are, the breath in our lungs, it's worth giving everything we are back to God. If you're saying, I don't like this giving message, I don't like the fact that I have to give to God, listen to me, we can't give enough. I'm sorry, but we cannot give enough back to God. Forget 10%, if we give everything back to Him, it's still not enough. God has done something for us that is great and beyond measure. And He sent His only Son for us, amen? The first thing that I want to bring out is here that we need to give faithfully. That's what we need to learn from Cain and Abel. We need to give faithfully. Also in that, we need to give, I'd say, in faith. It's two slightly different things. Giving faithfully is is putting your trust, continuing to do something. But in addition to that, really what is happening here with Abel is he gives in faith. Something he cannot see. He's completely trusting in God as he... Is he gives his offering. And that is the thing that God loves. He loves it when we give and we don't know what's going to happen. Because as we've seen, faith is because we don't see the answer. We don't see what's to come. So we give out of that. So many of us, we can give. I'll tell you, people can give some of the most greatest things to God. But they don't give out of faith. And you might be looking and comparing yourself sometimes to other people in church saying, you know, they give and they, I, I know they're giving and they're doing this and I just can't do it like them. Listen, God is not calling you to compare yourself to someone else in your giving. He's wanting us to give in faith. There's only you who knows your faith. There's only you who knows that element and that area of where you can give to God. The writer of Hebrews states that by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. In other words, he doesn't say he brought an offering and he didn't like Cain's at all. He said it was a better one. Because Cain's looked pretty good, but really God knew his heart. He knew his heart and his faith. Abel didn't just give big, he gave boldly, amen. He says he gave fat portions. In other words, he got the animals, he gave the the best. The best of the best. And some of us today, we don't always give the best. And God is not looking. Listen to me. God does not need our money. Do you know that? He doesn't need our money. God has all the treasure he needs. If God wants to bless you, have you ever noticed this? When you cry out to God and someone comes and blesses you, he will use the kingdom for that. He can bless you. But listen, God is looking for our hearts. A heart of worship towards him. That's what he's looking for. Our gifts can't buy God's favor. It was bought on the cross by Jesus Christ. And God is looking for us to not have total dependence on money, but Him. And that's one thing I've come to learn over my time, that I don't, I try not to depend on money. I try not to depend on these things so that we can put all of our trust in Him. Because if He's the one who's got the ability to give us wealth, then He's the one who's got the ability to sustain us. Matthew 6 says, seek ye first his kingdom, all the things will be added to you. Do we really believe that? If we seek his kingdom first, that all these things will come. God is looking this morning at our faith in our giving, not our bank accounts. 
He's not interested in which bank you're in, whatever you've got. He's saying, I want to know, where is your faith at in me? Because I want you to bring that faith to the table. I want to see that. And sometimes when you give, people are not going to see that faith. Abel's gift was sacrificial. Mark Mark chapter 12, verse 43 to 44 says this. Jesus, he observes the people paying into the offering. And this is what Jesus said. Truly I tell you, this is Jesus, as he observes people giving, he says, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all give out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. In other words, he's saying this. Oh, there's been some amazing givers here. They can give, they can look the best. Listen, do you know in this room today, whatever you give, there is no segregation to the better people who give whatever. There is Who gives out of our poverty? When we give to God, when we don't have anything, we are trusting our faith is in Him. God loves it. He loves it when we do that. You see, when Steve brought early and he mentioned the, the lady who opens this expensive perfume, some of the guys around them, they were saying, you can't do this, that's a year's worth of wages. They were counting the money, they said, this is wrong, the value. Maybe she didn't own that perfume, so I'm not sure what was going on there, where, where the problem lied. But ultimately she recognized that you, can, you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive him. He demands our everything. But the widow, he says, gave out of her poverty. God wants us, our hearts this morning, to give out of our poverty. He wants us to give to him. When everything else seems like it's crumbling around around us, that we give faithfully to him in faith, just as Abel did. Whatever we bring, God looks at that sacrifice. He looks at our sacrifice to him. In Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats brim over with new wine. Wow. Here he says, honor the Lord with your wealth. In other words, you receive your wealth, honor the Lord by giving back your first fruits from all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats brim over with new wine. Listen to me. Some of us, we find it very difficult to give to God our first fruits. We'll give to God when everything else is dealt with. But first fruits means this. It means that when we receive that for which we have earned, we first go back and say, I'm going to give to God first. Someone once said to me, you can make it what, think what you like, but someone once said to me many years ago, what do you think we should do? Do you think I should give? If I'm going to give any percentage back to God out of my earnings, they said this to me, do you think I should give before tax or after tax? That's a big question. You're wanting to know the answer, aren't you? Well, I'm going to tell you this morning, I don't know because Jesus never said this, but he said the first fruits. And the way I've looked at it all my life is this. If the government has any precedence over God in their taxes that come off my wages, if they have anything higher than God, then I don't think that's right. 
You see, none of us like to... I, I remember in payday, everyone got their pay slips and everyone's looking at them in the office. I used to be sat there and people saying, oh, I wish... I cannot believe how much tax they take off on national insurance. And everyone's totting up what they could have had. You know, this is what I should have, the government, and what do I get for it? You know, how many, how many times do we get the council tax bills every year and we look at council tax bills and you're thinking, you know, whatever it is for to pay your council tax, you're thinking, I don't get anything back for this. We're very quick to say that, but we don't realize what's going on behind the scenes sometimes of what the government's doing. But listen to me. Some of us, we see these amounts go off. But do you know what I believe is this? On a payslip, if, if I'm going to give you my view, I believe the first line on that payslip should be God. It's just not there because the world don't put it on. But I really believe that he should be first and foremost in everything. And let me tell you, you said to me, well, I cannot do that. Listen, I ain't telling you to do anything. You can do whatever you like. It's entirely up to you. But listen to me, I will encourage you today, it is the best thing you can ever do. Because God rewards his children. He loves his kids. He loves his kids. And I'm going to tell you, I grew up in a family where my mum and dad, they, we could have done a lot more than we did sometimes, I thought. And my dad would tell me about giving. He'd tell me about the tithes and the offerings. And I used to think, Dad, what on earth are you doing? You could have so much more if you didn't do this. And my dad would say, you can never outgive God, Phil. My mum used to say to me, Phil, you can't afford not to give. Never hold back from it. And I want to encourage you today. I might sound like I'm saying I need money. I don't need your money. I want to tell you to do it for God. Do it for God and for your relationship with him. Because he loves us to come, bring out of our poverty, out of our questions. And say, God, I'm putting you first and foremost in my life. Whatever we bring, God looks at it as sacrifice if we bring it in that heart of faith. You know, many years ago we... And I want to thank everyone for their giving. We had an amazing giving into this church for, isn't it great to see the church doors go in and we had a special offerings, a, an upper, uh, the upper room. Before this, before many of you were probably here, or some of you obviously are, but we had a, another project which we called the upper room. The, the one that we've just said for is the outer court. The upper room project, at that time I was in the congregation myself and many times they would say, we need to raise money, we need to give into the upper room. And I used to think, I don't know if I can do this. And I used to be counting my pennies and thinking, can we actually give into this? And they're saying, you know, we want to give it above and beyond. Pour it into the kingdom. And I used to thinking, yeah, that's all good and well, but there's certain, certain things I need in my life. And I used to be counting the, whether we could do this. And I'll never forget that I wanted to bring a gift for, for the very floor that we're now sat on. And many people in this church did. And the time that we were asked, I thought, I don't know if I can do this. So I really just brought it to God and said, I'm going to have to trust you if I give this gift that you're going to look after me because I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. And so I did. And I could not believe this because several months later, I received a check for the same amount back from the government for some tax reasons, several months later for the amount that I'd given And I never expected it. See, God knows everything. And he knows our lives. And sometimes we are counting, saying, I don't know if I can give this. Can I give into these things? Listen to me. God has never let me down. 
I've chatted to people, sometimes close friends of mine, and they've, they've been disgruntled saying, what is it I've ever got from God? The washing machine breaks, things break down, these things, the God says that these things are not gonna, they're all gonna be sorted out if I give to Him. No, He didn't say that. And we've said it many times, and Ralph brought the word the other week, that we count our blessings, we name them one by one. It's important that we look. I'll tell you something. If you count your blessings, you'll find there's a far more than the things that go wrong. We live in a world that things will go wrong. I'm sorry, but I know LG and Hotpoint who make these washing machines do a pretty good job, but they're not perfect. God does not bring perfection into your washing machine. You don't serve a God so that he makes your washing machine never break. There's only Calgon that can do that. Washing machines live longer with Calgon. That's, don't ask God to do it for you. And some of us, the first thing that goes wrong, we're like, God, I give to you, and Calgon is more reliable. What's going on, Lord? And then we start to say, I don't know about this giving. I'm not sure about giving to God. And we question it. That's where the enemy wants to get us. But listen, God doesn't make your life perfect. He's looking at our responses all the time. When things go wrong, will we still give out of poverty and faith? And I want to encourage you today. I know it sounds, the system doesn't work. The economics of the kingdom of God do not work on paper. They can't work out. You cannot make them work. But God is looking for faith. Faith makes it work. You cannot afford to give, not to give. It's part of our honor and worship to God. Ecclesiastes verse 11 verse 1 says this. Solomon who, who wrote Ecclesiastes, in all his wisdom he says this. I love it. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it in many days. In other words, you've got to cast your bread upon the water. I don't know if I can do this, Lord. But one day you'll find it come back to you. Some people in here today have given and you're saying, I've given to God and I've never seen a thing come back. Trust me. Have faith in God. He will bring it back in his time and he will teach us a lesson along the way as well. Amen. Give faithfully. The second thing today is that we need to give cheerfully. You see, the thing is, some of us don't. Oh, we can give. I know people who, they'll tell me about their giving. They like to tell you about what they give. But listen, we can give to God and sometimes we're, we're gripping onto it. We don't want to let go. You know, it's, it's amazing. Years, some of the things in the past we found in the collection. I tell you, you look, you look in the collection, you find all sorts of coins from parts of the world that probably don't exist anymore. Chocolate buttons. Sort of tissues. Oh, we found tissues. I don't know who that is, but I'd like to know. You know, and maybe we think, shall I give? No, I'll throw the tissue in. Listen, this is not, this is not about a demand for saying, we need you to give, give, give. Listen to me. It's about relationship. When you give. When we give. Do you know why? Because Jesus wants us to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God operates in this way. It's not the way the world works. You cannot have it the same way as the world. You tell me that the world has done any favors in the financial system at the moment. You tell me that the way the financial system works, works. Because if you watch every single day on the news, I get tired of hearing the fact that it's all going down the drain. Since when has it done us any favors? 
Why does it ever work for us to seek first the kingdom of God? Because it works because God is the creator. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He knows everything. He is above all things. He is worthy of it all. And everything comes from him. Amen. We need to give cheerfully. Where was I? We need to give cheerfully. Because some of us don't. We, we're sad when we give. We're, we're upset to release it out of our hands. And do you know what? Sometimes you just got to forget about it and just let it go. Let it go. I have tried X Factor. It didn't work for me. We need to let it go. Not hold on to it. We read earlier in Genesis chapter 4 verse 5, he says this, On Cain and his offering, God did not look with favor. And he says this, check this out. Cain, so Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. In other words, God responds and says, he, he shows that to Cain in his heart, this offering, Cain, isn't from your heart. It's not by faith, just like Abel's is. And straight away his response is this. He gets downcast and he gets angry. And then God has to have a little word with him and said, in Genesis 4, 6, he says, why are you angry, Cain? Why is your face downcast? In other words, why do you look depressed? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, here he is, he's, he's not saying if you, do, if you don't do what's right, then I just don't like you and I, I just don't like your offerings. He says, I'm going to give you a warning. Because if you don't do what's right and you don't bring the offering like I'm requiring from you all of your life, everything you are so that you present the best to me, if you don't do this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you and you must rule over it. Listen to me, some people don't look at this sometimes, but if we don't give to God and we start holding on to the things, stand a, trying to control our lives and putting things into the way that we want to do it, and we don't give Him our best and our first, you know the first thing that's going to come in? Sin is crouching at your door. Do you know why? Because the moment we start to not trust God, we trust ourselves. The moment we trust ourselves, sin is there. Then we start to think, well, what's the point in anything? I'll start doing anything I want to do. Then you'll start to release more of your life over. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Do you know that Cain gave reluctantly, not relationally? He gave reluctantly to God. In other words, he's got some great gift that looked pretty good. Most of us have seen it and thought, that looks pretty good. But he didn't give out a relationship. That is the key. We need to give relationally to God. When there is relationship between Him, when we realize He is above everything in our lives, we realize that we can give in relationship. Amen? Not reluctantly. I remember many years ago, I always like to tell you little stories that, you know, that I've done in the past that I want to own up to, but I, so I, I know what it's like to give. And sometimes give reluctantly. And many years ago when we first, I, I guess, were coming into the faith and we were learning about the whole giving thing and giving to God. I'll never, remember, I'll never forget being at a, a conference and they would come around and every, whoever goes to a conference and goes prepared. Not many people do. Now, now that conferences, they've got text to give. You can't get out of it. You've got your phone. You can give. You can do whatever you like. You can give in anywhere. 
There's no way out of it. You are locked in. You know, you think, oh, I, oh, I didn't get, I forgot my checkbook. Do you take card? Oh, really? I'm sorry. And we, we're thinking there's a way out of this. And I remember that there was no way out of it for me because they had every single avenue covered. And I'm thinking, I've, I'm thinking about my bank account. I'm thinking, I don't think I can do this. And I don't know about this giving thing. I just need to get everything sorted out first. And so when the, when the thing comes round, this is how Satan tempts us. I ca- he came round and, and I get a pen and, and I'm, and I'm filling in the numbers on the, on the little form that you put in for your details so they can take it out later on. And I thought, if I just write the number, one of the numbers, you know it, one of the numbers, just a little bit, so you can't tell what it is. If they only need one digit out, then it won't go out of my account. Now I've given you some ideas now. You're thinking, I cannot believe he thinks like that. I'm telling you the truth. And I thought, I don't know if I can do this. The person's waiting at the end of the aisle. I've got the pen. And then we're thinking, if anyone's watching, they want to know what I'm giving. I need, the, I need this to look a decent amount because I need to show that I'm giving to... Listen, it's not about that. We've got to get out this, the whole thing out of the system because it's not about trying to impress people. I don't care what anyone thinks about what I give. No one knows what I give, only me to God. And I'm not trying to impress anyone. Because I could be given out of my poverty, or I could be given out of my riches. Who knows? Who cares? It's not your issue. It's between me and God. But the thing is, I did scribble that number hoping it wouldn't go out just a little bit, because I didn't have enough faith to believe that God was going to sustain me. Well, it did leave the account. Oh yeah, I checked it. I checked it every day. But we do these things because sometimes the enemy comes and says, if you just, look, just, just do that because then you, you know, then you won't have to worry about it going out. But I want to encourage you. We've got to trust him. Trust him with everything that we have. Everything back to him. And not avoid it. He says, why are you angry? Why are you downcast? Some of us get so sad when we have to give. And Jesus is saying this. He's saying, look, God, sorry, God is saying this. He's saying, look, I want you to understand what it is to give, not angrily or downcast. But I, want, I want you to understand the principles of the kingdom is this, that you should actually want to give to God, even in your poverty, because you will love it and you'll enjoy it. It's part of my kingdom. When you see how it works, you'll be blessed. But in here it says this in Matthew 6 verse 24. Jesus says this, nobody can serve two masters. Okay, I want you to look at this. He said no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, Jesus said. In other words, where we allow possessions to take our control in our lives... We lose the foothold. We lose the control. And God is saying to us, you can't serve God and money. There's nothing wrong with money. Some people say today that, you know, that money is, is satanic. It's evil. No, money has been around even in Jesus' day. Jesus even made a coin appear in the fish's mouth. I wish he'd appear some, make some appear in my pond if I had one. I would, I would have a pond fitted if that was going to be the case. You know, you read the miracles, you think, God, please do this for me. You know, I'm sometimes we've been on holiday in the sea and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wouldn't it be great just to catch a fish now and the money be inside the fish? 
you know, God, why don't I see this? Where was I? But you know, we can't serve both God and money. So what he's saying is this, there's nothing wrong with it. But you need to understand that you can't have two things. They don't work independently. God says, serve me above everything. Everything in your lives, your family. Give everything to me. You'll see that I will bless you and and keep you. When we read the Matthew 6 uh, scripture talking about seeking first his kingdom. He says, didn't I bless Solomon with all his splendor? Didn't I give him everything he needed? Remember that Solomon asked for wisdom above everything else. He could have had loads of riches. But he says, I want wisdom instead. Whoa. Wise move. (laughs) Wise move. I want to encourage you to do that. Ask for wisdom. Because look, he says, later on in Matthew 6, Jesus says, Didn't I, don't, don't I bless Solomon in all his splendor? If I can do, if I can look after the birds of the air, then how much more can I do it for you today? And I want to encourage you today, just remember those words. We can't serve two masters. We need to give everything ourselves, everything we have to him. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 8, in terms of giving cheerfully, Paul, Apostle Paul, encourages this. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. And God is able, check this out, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is amazing. In other words, he says, if you, if you sow sparingly, if you give, you will reap sparingly. The more you give, the more you'll get. Do you know that Jesus came and that's the, the message he have is to give. To serve and to give others. And I want to encourage you, how many, how many of you know that when you give a present to someone at Christmas and you see them open it and they really like it, there's more joy sometimes out of that than receiving it. Well, take that principle and operate it all through your life, not just at Christmas. And give to people who are in need. Bless others when you are in poverty and you will see that God will bless you. Someone walked up the steps with me this morning telling me about a holiday that I so wish I'd have been on. They were telling me how nice it was, but how God had blessed them. And I couldn't believe how the, the, the things, that the miracles really surrounding that, the whole thing. What the, I literally had heard from the bottom of the stairs to the top. I thought, wow, God, please do it for me. But listen, do you know why? Because these people who told me that story, they serve God wholeheartedly. God blesses those who serve wholeheartedly. If we sow sparingly, if we give sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. If we sow in abundance, we're going to reap in abundance. Amen. We need to give in abundance to God. Cheerfully, as it says, God loves that cheerful giving from us. Not out of compulsion or force. And listen to me, you're saying, well how does Jesus, how did Jesus do the same thing? He didn't know what it's like to give each time when, when you get paid and, and giving your money to God. Listen to me, Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many people. The whole world. 
Jesus knew what it was to give himself up. He didn't have to die. He gave his very life upon the cross. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In other words, God, out of his love for the, the relationship, relationship giving this is, God so loved the world even though it was broken. God so loved the world even though it was poverty in his eyes. He said, I'm going to give my son to die on a cross. And then we read in Hebrews 12 verse 2, he says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, even when Jesus gives his life, he does it cheerfully. If we see that Jesus gave his life upon the cross joyfully, how much more can we give what we have, what he requires of us, back to him in joy and cheerfully? And finally, Number three, we need to give truthfully. This is another thing that we learn from this story. To give to God in truth. We can give cheerfully, but we also need to give in truth. We read earlier in Genesis 4, verse 8 to 9, it said this, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. This is after God's had a little word with him about, you know, the giving. He's saying, you know, I really like Abel's giving. Now we see straight afterwards... There's this little scene that happens. And it's verse 8. And it says, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? In other words, he lies and doesn't own up to it. But do you see what happens here? The next moment that God challenges Cain on his giving, the next thing he does is this. He tries to remove Abel's gift. If he can get rid of the good giving, then it will make his gift look better. If I can just remove him, if he, if he wasn't on the scene, then I would look so much better before God. He doesn't change his own circumstance. He tries to get rid of someone else. And so many of us sometimes are like this. We think, oh, I'm giving and God's challenging us in our heart. And you just think, if certain people weren't around me in church who gave in the way that they gave and they taught to me, if they weren't around or they didn't come to this church, then I would probably look like a good giver. And I'd probably look like I'm impressing God. But listen, God knew his heart originally. And he still knows his heart now. And he asks him the question, as God always does, and he comes and says, where is your brother? He says, I don't know. Am I his keeper? what have I got to know about him? I don't look after him. That's his response. And so many of us, sometimes we can give, in a sense, in dishonesty. I've had people sometimes in the past, they offer gifts here. They've offered gifts. And it's actually out of dishonest gain. And you think, how can you want to give something out of something that was dishonest to start with? We cannot give out of dishonest gain. We cannot give untruthfully. Some of us sometimes want to give, and actually it's not in truth. And sometimes our giving can be a dishonest giving to try and impress others. Listen, you can't impress anyone here. We're just, God is the one who knows our hearts. He knows you inside out. And when he asks Cain, where is your brother Abel? He knows exactly. Where he is. He knows exactly 
where he is. Do you know when he responds, God, to that? He says, do you realize your brother's blood is going to cry from the ground? I find it amazing then that he puts, that the writer puts him, Abel, in Hebrews 11 verse 1 at the very beginning of the Hall of Fame of Faith. In other words, his message, his voice cries out and it even reaches the New Testament and reaches that point of time. So we see today that Abel's giving was a greater giving. You cannot get rid of it. God made sure that his voice would speak, his blood would speak from the ground. And the writer, as it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, would write and give Abel that due to put him as the first person on that list. We cannot lie to God. We cannot impress him by lying to him or giving dishonestly. I want you to just turn with me as we finish to look at this little story. And it's such a key thing. It's not preached much about. But in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 6, we see a story of two people in the very first church, the early church in the New Testament, who gave to God dishonestly. In Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 6, is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You won't hear many messages on this. It says this, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. They were selling the property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. Brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said this, And Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And have kept for yourself some of the money you received for your land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Later we see straight after that, that his wife comes in. She's questioned of the same thing. And they say that your body, if you lie, you will leave the same way as your husband's just left. And she also drops dead. Now I want to tell you today, I don't believe that anyone's going to drop dead here. You know, that's, that's one way of asking people to give. Text to give. Text to give. Otherwise death is on your door. Listen, God doesn't do that. But I'll show, I'll show you what it shows here. In Acts chapter 5, we see a serious story here of the very early church beginning. And when we see that these two people tried to lie to God, what it shows us, it's a message sent through time to us today, again, speaking to us right now this morning. And the reason why you don't hear many people preach on it is because people don't like to say, well, does God allow people to die? Well, the Bible says it's appointed to every person to die anyway. So you will die. Everyone's got a a death, a time when we're going to die. But listen, their, their time came early and soon. But it came early and soon because I don't know whether he was overwhelmed. I don't know whether God struck him or what happened. All I know is he was overwhelmed. He may have had a heart attack. Something may have happened. But both of them died. And the reason they died is because of the seriousness. Because you cannot lie to the Holy Ghost. You cannot lie to God. You cannot hide things from him. He knows our hearts. And one message, if it's one message, for the, for the sake of their lives, that, that couple 
who gave and would have looked like a great offering to the, the early church. The message today that goes through the centuries to us is this. Don't make a mistake and lie to God thinking you can get away with it. Because there's a day when day of judgment comes when we will all stand before God. And he will say to us, the times when you had this and you could have given to me and trusted me and given faithful but you didn't. I want to encourage you today, let's not lose that opportunity. He said this, Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you lied to the Holy Spirit? Cain's life went from bad to worse. Cain's life at the beginning in Genesis went from bad to worse because the moment he kills his brother, Abel, then everything starts going wrong. He could have just obeyed God to start with, but everything starts going wrong. And then he's fearful for his own life. But as I said earlier, you can see the grace of God that even says, I'm going to put a mark upon you to stop anyone from killing you. He could have let death come to him, but he puts a mark of grace upon him and says, I'm going to stop anyone from killing you. You could have given to me, and yes, you failed, son, but I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to let you learn a lesson, but I'm going to put a mark upon you that no person will kill you. Protect your life. Unfortunately for Ananias and Sapphira, that didn't, wasn't the case. I believe today that God puts a protection over our lives. We are safe. It's not that everyone's going to start dropping dead. Then we're no gifts. But listen, it's not about that. God is looking for our hearts. And he wants us to come into that relationship with him today. Many of us can give out of our hearts. Sometimes we can give and we're hiding things from him. I want to encourage you, give him everything you are. Jesus said this about giving in Luke 6 verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, what's your measure today? Where are you measuring your finances? Where are you measuring where you're at in your life? Because the measure you use, the measure you give to God will be used back to you. In other words, we can limit ourselves. We need to bring in everything. In Malachi 3 verse 10 it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And I love this because then it says this, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, God says, Do you want me to show you something? If you bring in the whole tithe... Test me, he says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And then this is his promise. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to, to store it. In other words, he says, bring in the whole tithe. If you do, you will notice in your life that I will open up the floodgates of heaven and there will be blessing poured out upon your life so much so that you will not have enough room to store it all. That is a better deal than any insurance policy you're ever going to find, whether it's Admiral, you know, comparethemarket.com, you go anywhere, you will not find a better insurance policy than the giving principle of the kingdom of God. Amen? I remember years ago, I used to be doing our Excel spreadsheet. I like doing my Excel spreadsheets, finances, putting things together with. And I used to have a column. And in that column, it would be the tithing column. It would be the bit with the giving to God. And I would have this column. And 
I don't know if you've ever done this, but again, the temptation's there. The enemy comes to say, if you didn't give, imagine what you could do. If you didn't give to God. And one of the things I used to do is this. The functionality on on the Excel program is just remove that column just for a moment, just to see what happens. Put it back in again. Remove. Mm. Wow. Oh, annually. I'm not so sure, God. And, you know, function on and off, turn it on and off. And I realized this column for me, the temptation was, if you don't have that column, imagine what life would be like. But I'm telling you something, I'm glad I keep the column in my life. Because keeping the column in, amen? Keeping the column in my life, I know that whatever I have around me, it's not, it's not eternal because we cannot take our belongings with us. The day will come when God will take us from this earth and you can't take your belongings with you. I'm glad that I keep that column there and I'd encourage you when Satan comes to fill your heart and say, just keep it there. Look, imagine what you could have to leave that column right where it is. Removing that column hinders our worship, amen. And it also hinders the great blessing that God has promised us if we enter into his way of giving, his principles, his economics of the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.